Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Sunday, September 12th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? I'm doing well. I've had a week to settle into my new place, living here, uh, working a job, gotten a little more consistent, so everything coming into rhythm. Uh, hopefully a new trend that was started today. I have every Sunday off of work, and so I got my friend who works with me to invite some people, and we got some spike ball going in the park, so that would be that's something I've not done enough of this summer and would like to see that through to the end of October or such. And yeah, it's just been a good week. Um, bought the new NBA 2K. So just been dipping my toes into that these past couple of days. And yeah. I, re- I really like a lot of the things they've done. Uh, instead of going to 95, your player goes to 99. So mm-hmm. at the expense of your physical attributes and not be you can just make your player a little better more well-rounded have some badges everyone starts with a skateboard so the city's not so oh, awful to that's get around so lovely yes yeah um still pay to win like i bought the basic version and i did not get drafted high because it's just impossible to have enough of an impact on the games that you're starting overall, especially as a point guard. I think it might be different as like a power forward when you can just get rebounds and beast the paint. But yeah, so yeah, it's been a pretty good week for me. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, man. It's a, it was a busy weekend. Had the first get together of my, uh, my workplace. So I got to see some folks in person, which was, very shocking and yeah just the culture shock there a bit of being in front of a bunch of people again um things felt like they did two years ago which is something i haven't been used to for a while now um great sports weekend overall uh some awesome action earlier this week with the u.s open football uh you've got the canadian men's soccer team you've got baseball going the jays are absolutely firing on all cylinders right now it's it's been a lovely week and i'm kind of sad to see it come to a close here but have been enjoying the nfl action all day today um uh, yeah it's it's i'm not one usually for sunday scaries but i'm definitely feeling them a little bit today because i'm just trying to make that extend the weekend as long as i can here <laughs> Yeah, that it hit me today when I was like, man, there's so much I can do on Sundays. Like, ah, shoot, there goes my plan to get really into football this year, yeah. uh, at least for the next couple of weeks. And also, I remembered I had like my first company event as well this past week. We played softball and they brought about 70 cans of beer, which was <laughs> made the late stages of the softball game pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I was able to crank one good hit in before uh, going too hard on those, though. So that yeah. always feels good. Really had it in the hips the next day. Yes, I imagine body held up though. Nothing, nothing too crazy injuries wise. <laughs> no, uh, slid once and came out of that pretty unscathed. Wow. Yeah, it, it, I didn't even make the decision. I was just running to the base, saw the guy <laughs> catch it, and my body moved. My mind was like, "All right, here we go." <laughs> just instinct right yeah exactly. natural athleticism coming out there natural competitiveness i'd say more yeah. than athleticism totally totally yeah well i know you've obviously spending their time you'll catch up on the nfl but until then 
I will be your source of information. So I'll try and keep you in the loop as I keep all of our listeners in the loop. But that's not where we're going to start today. We're going to start at the U.S. Open. Um, A pretty important tennis match taking place today. Uh, Novak Djokovic going for the completion of the Grand Slam. And he made all this way. The very last match, only the only person standing in his way was Daniel Medvedev. And Max, I mean, you you watched it. You know what happened. Break it down for us. Yeah. The last step on, I don't know how many matches he had to win with the way the seeding works. I know some tournaments he offers round by. Oh, man, this segment is going to start with me having, like, coughed my lungs up on mute and then come in my throat raw. Anywho, Djokovic, um, he got out. Djokovic is really what it comes down to. Medvedev played some of the best tennis of his life. He was serving hard in different spots, hitting it all accurately. Djokovic had no clue how to return it. And that just put him at with such a gap to start off. And then there was no weakness for him to attack in Medvedev's game. He did it all. Uh, his shots were accurate. He would paint line three, four times in the same rally. Um, Djokovic couldn't get him with drop shots, backhands, forehands. Medvedev had an answer for it all. And then on top of all that, the nerves were there for Djokovic, uh, getting broken early in the first set and the second set, getting broken twice early in the third set. Um, it just, he had no answer for it the entire match. Um, the nerves got to Medvedev at the end there when the crowd kind of got past the umpire's control and was cheering the entire time he was serving. The double faults really racked up there and it looked like there might be space for Djokovic to pull it off, but um, getting his first break of the match there on Medvedev's first chance for the championship. Um, But then the second time, despite another double fault, Djokovic just wasn't able to do it on Medvedev's first serve. And Medvedev ultimately came through. He wins his first Grand Slam ever and becomes the first player of the modern era of this next generation. Uh, I think I really think of Zverev, Tsitsipas, and of course Medvedev as kind of the new generation of tennis athletes. They all have very similar frames, um, crazy powerful serves. I guess you could add Berrettini into there, though his game is not quite as well-rounded as those other three, but of that generation, he becomes the first to beat one of the big three in a Grand Slam final. And it raises the question of, is a new era of tennis coming? Because if you watch Djokovic's match with Zverev, uh, which was an amazing match, by the way, that was the one circled on my calendar, as I said at the start of this Open, as the one to watch for, and five sets of back and forth, amazing tennis. Um, It peaked for me in the third set. In, I think it was a Zverev service game that saw like a 53 shot rally that uh, Zverev ultimately took, although Djokovic came back and took that game, which was huge for the momentum of the match. But anyway, in that match, when Zverev played his best tennis, Djokovic didn't have an answer for it, much like Medvedev and him today. Just Medvedev was able to stay more consistent not break down with the double faults, the unforced errors in big moments or big stretches and 
presented no holes for Djokovic. So we've been saying that sometimes it looks like Novak is playing the best tennis of his career, despite his relatively advanced age, just from the experience, the mental composure, more than making up for the loss of athleticism. But as this next generation comes up and they've taken their hits and licked their wounds against the big three in those huge moments and they've come back more resilient they still have that athleticism you have to ask is the moment shifting because we saw with medvedev he's lost to Djokovic before in these finals this time he had the composure the resiliency gained through those losses you've got to think zverev um going to the semis in the French, having a decent Wimbledon run, winning Olympic gold, having the match he just had against Djokovic, you've got to think that same mental resiliency is almost there. Um, Matteo Berrettini, maybe one of the biggest what-ifs on this Grand Slam season, get losing to Djokovic three times. All these guys, they're the mental composure that Djokovic, Nadal, Federer have, they're going to have it sooner rather than later. And as the athleticism wanes for the big three, for Federer well past the point, most likely by now, and he has no shot. Um, but I, I think we're going to maybe put a definitive end to the era of the big three very soon. We've got the Australian in January, Djokovic is to win in theory if the big three area is still going. Of course, the French, Nadal's chance, and then Wimbledon, which was probably Djokovic's most easy Grand Slam of the three that he won, the one with just the least bumps in the road. Uh, although Berrettini is going to be a monster come that next Wimbledon, next grass season. He probably hates that it's so short. I, this could be it. The era could be over, which it sounds like such a crazy fast turnaround 180 to say right after Djokovic comes one game off making tennis history and stamping his name as the GOAT beyond all dispute. I, he still is in my books and a lot of people, but I he'd have to go win like three or four more Grand Slams to put it past the point of dispute that a Grand Slam calendar year would have done, I think. So the future of tennis, really fascinating. Of course, our Canadians have had a pretty good run, both Felix and Dennis making Grand Slam semis at the past two. Can't wait to see that surge continue. Layla making the finals. I don't know if you have anything to say on any of that, but for me, that's the question of this moment right now. Like, is, is this the passing of the guard? I would say for two out of those three, that it is apparent that is, there is a transition period happening. Nadal had a great showing at this year's French open, but at a certain point, him and Federer, the amount of injuries, the amount of time taken off has really added up. And, and at a certain point, like these guys have played at such a, top tier level at their current age it's really impressive but like anyone father time eventually catches up to you and so with them it's going to be tough i'm sure each of them has one last ride left in them but their careers may come to a unsatisfying end for a lot of high hardcore tennis fans just because 
they won't be able they won't be able to have that send off tournament i don't believe and they might just follow the picture similar to like what we've seen with andy murray where he still continues to play but he's just nowhere near the level he used to be with djokovic um he is very much still in the picture all he just did was lose in the finals of a grand slam that he almost won to complete the calendar year grand slam right it's very easy to say oh this is the end of an era but it, we're still in his era and he he's just he's a little bit latent compared to Federer and Nadal he's about three or four years later behind them in his trajectory so he's still in that late stages of his prime so I would say it's the end of that big three or even that big four if you include, included Murray at the time but as of right now Djokovic is still the man to beat at every event. I don't think that's going to change until we truly see a shift from him or it could be an injury, but uh, yeah, totally his time still to, and, and you got to take the crown from him. Yeah. You know, he's not going to give up before he is forced to, if he's still tied for record, most grand slams won. and Nadal, it's such an interesting one because yeah, he's probably, he's almost certainly not going to win the Australian, Wimbledon, the US Open, but the French, like, he only lost to Djokovic on clay, so until we see him losing consistently at the French, like, it's going to take, I think, two more losses before he's written out, unless, of course, injuries step in the way. And I'm sure that has something to do with his conditioning. But if he can go win the French and Djokovic wins like one more, then he's going to be like, come on, man, I have to go another year and try and win two just in case Nadal takes a French the year after that. Um, so, so much excitement in the world of tennis ahead. The sport is just in a fantastic place right now, I feel like. Yeah, and, and let's not forget, like we, we instantly turn to the Grand Slam events, but something that has... I think grown in popularity the last couple of years are the ATP finals that take place in Dubai in the winter months. Um, that's a high level tournament that basically takes the eight best players in both the men's and women's and pits them in a tournament. And that's just consistently high level tennis. You're going to get the best on best. So let's not overlook that. That's going to be a great period of time as well to enjoy some high level tennis. The last thing I wanted to talk about was, was just Layla giving her another shout out. It's been so so awesome to see the amount of love and support she's received not just from canada but from ecuador but from the american spectators sitting there everyone fell in love with her on this run i don't think she was a a very well-known player beforehand uh us canadians had had grown to learn about her over this season specifically but this was her coming out party on the major stage just like bianca had two years ago and um the way she handled everything, the incredible knockdowns of the second, third, fourth ranked players in the tournament, and then coming to the final and playing her heart out in all those matches. She doesn't get it done, but she loses with grace. She has an incredible interview afterwards. I just, this, she's so much more put together than any one of the other young Canadian stars that I've seen so far. And I think she's got a terrific long and fruitful career ahead of her just if she continues to play and act with that sort of composure and women's canadian women's tennis just so jinxed <laughs> i'm nervous about the trajectory of genie and even what bianca's showing uh but maybe i shouldn't put that evil on layla 
Yeah. No, it, it's, it just feels, I don't know. The vibes feel different with her. Yeah. And maybe she breaks the curse. I mean, I shouldn't we say Bianca's <laughs> curse. We, there's still a lot of tennis to see from her. The, the thing with Bianca is her rise. She was right there, U.S. Open champ, and then COVID. So yeah. that <laughs> that is the and also Jeannie's accident was kind of a like freak of nature one off thing as well. So really tough luck for those two. But Layla right now seems to be just, everything's heading in the right direction, and it just gives something for Bianca to go and look at and say, "Hey, this is this is the person that we're going to be competing with each other for a long time." Just this is the same relationship that D- Dennis and Felix have as well on the men's side. It's really really great. Yeah, I think it does so much for a country. I wanted to go look at the stats on like Canadians in semifinals versus like other nationalities making it at Grand Slams this year. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we must have ranked pretty decently with, I guess, three or four. Well, no, only just like the single uh, players who consistently make it would really pull ahead. You're getting specific with your data set at that point, but. Hey, you gotta you gotta fudge the numbers a little bit to make make Canada look good. I think we do that with like every data set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All righty, is is that everything so, that you want to get off your chest here in, in our tennis talk segment? Awesome, awesome. All right, I guess it's my turn. We are going to head into football fan cave before I kick off my NFL week recap, which obviously there's still a couple games going on right now, but uh, I wanted to start by shouting out the Canadian men's national soccer team, Uh, more Canada content for you folks, a three, nothing win over El Salvador without Alfonso Davies um, resting him as a precaution. And with that victory, the, and the goal differential and the goals they scored on the road in their first two games, Canada sits in third in the octagonal uh, qualifying standings, meaning that if it ended today, they would be in the World Cup, which is really, really exciting, something that we haven't seen ever, really. And so they have an incredible opportunity in front of them. Obviously, Mexico, Panama, the two teams in front of them, are the teams that they're going to have a tough time with through the next round of games. They play every team twice, so 14 games in total. So really at the very beginning, but team has a ton of talent and a ton of heart uh, as shown by their clawing back and getting two draws in the first two matches. And I think this country especially is going to rally around them big time because soccer is a sport that has always been loved, but just, never gets the same passion as it does over across the pond and and basically everywhere else in the world besides North America. But with the mosaic of cultures and um, people coming together, it's really grown in popularity over the last 10, 15 years. And we saw with TFC's runs, how much fans get behind a, a soccer team. And with the national pride too, I just think this could be a really, really incredible opportunity for the sport of soccer to take off. And it'll just be a, a virtuous cycle for all these kids looking up to your Tejan Buchanan, your Alfonso Davies, your Kyle Laren, your Jonathan Davids, all those different guys. They're looking up to them as their heroes and just going to bring in wave after wave of generational Canadian soccer talent. So really pumped to see what these guys can do. And I cannot wait to continue to watch them play. Yeah, the fans are there. 
in Canada, in Toronto, in Montreal, they're just cheering for their countries of origin or parents' origin, every world and Euro Cup, cheering for their teams in the Champions League, the Premier League, whatever their teams are. But if Canada gave them something to get behind and all of them did get behind it, that would be as passionate a fan base as any, I believe. I think, it, and I think at this point, it, you could get as big of numbers out to watch the Canadian soccer teams. That's the hockey team that'll be going to Beijing in a couple months. I mean, can you imagine if like all the Italians who cheer for Italy in the Euro Cup and all the Portuguese who cheer yeah. for Portugal yeah, yeah, and all yeah. the Germans like all came together to cheer for Canada? Just how powerful I that mean, would be. They would still be cheering for those teams yeah, in a would... World Cup. <laughs> But would be it's easier, but it's nicer to have another team, right, to root for, because it's something that we've never really experienced. So how would they ever know? Oh, I can also cheer for the country that I live in. So unique, so exciting. Italy would be a fun sight in like a Canada versus Italy game. <laughs> yes, yes, that would be awesome. Okay, let's slide over to my NFL Week One recap. An awesome day of football. Um, I've been so excited for this week and really just got a couple appetizers, even got in on a couple college football games, but really no one does a day of sport like the NFL, man. It, it's so well put together, the presentation, the gambling focus, the fantasy focus, then being able to have a channel that literally just rotates through and shows you the best parts of each game and keeps you up to date with all the games happening at the same time. They need a, a red zone for the NBA, for the NHL. I, I just, I, it's just a sport that's conducive to having this sit down and just absorb content in, in a giant wave. And uh, I was loving it. So I'll go in here with some of the, the key takeaways I've had, not just from today when the actual games are playing, but a little bit earlier in the week, starting with the Baltimore Ravens, uh, who are set to play tomorrow night against the Las Vegas Raiders. They are getting obliterated by injuries right now. This is a team that that seems like they're the team that's going to have the, the worst injury this season. Uh, they lose their second string running back now after their first string running back. Dobbins out for the season. Gus Bus, uh, Gus Edwards is is injured and out for a couple of weeks, and Marcus Peters as well. They're uh, one of their top Pro Bowl cornerbacks comes out with an injury as well. So this team is is losing some of its top tier talent, and I think they're really really going to struggle, especially with Pittsburgh getting a massive upset win against Buffalo today on the road. Um, no one really had them picked. In fact, a lot of teams picked Pittsburgh to regress and actually struggle this season. A lot of money on Buffalo to actually be the top team in the AFC this year. Uh, and Pittsburgh's defense came into Buffalo. Uh, the crowd was superb. Bills Mafia out in full force, and the Steelers' defense shut them down. Uh, they sat back a lot on Josh Allen, and Buffalo's running game is probably the weaker part of their offense. And they were able to really contain that. And then any time in passing situations, they were draping themselves over the receivers and making Josh Allen run around like a chicken with his head, head cut off. So um, a really outstanding performance from the Steelers and a huge win for them. Um, always amazing to start one and oh, and especially in this extra game season, 17 game season. Now that's a huge one to get against probably 
a team that everyone had pegged to be one or two in your conference. Uh, I know I skipped a bit, but we'll go back in the timeline to Thursday, uh, opening game of the season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. One of the best opening games we've had in a couple of decades now. An absolute shootout, both Brady and Prescott going over 360 passing yards. I think Prescott went over 400 in the game. CeeDee Lamb could have had a lot more yards, but he finished with over 100. Um, Amari Cooper, who I'm dubbing my my fantasy performer of the week, had 38.4 fantasy points, two touchdowns in that game. Gronk with two touchdowns, looking a little bit like vintage Gronk. We got a couple of spikes there, and, and Brady somehow at whatever, 87 years of age, still slings it around and is looking like he he's 10 years younger than he should be. Um an incredible performance by both teams. Dallas really showing that their offense is unstoppable because that Bucks defense is a force to be reckoned with, but they put up points. But Tampa Bay just able to squeak it out. Last second field goal, maybe a questionable bit of offensive pass interference that wasn't called, but wouldn't have it any other way in, in a big sports game to have a questionable call to start the season. Um, that's how you know that the NFL is back and, uh, a big win for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they look to mount their campaign to defend their Super Bowl championship this season. Uh, some other quick notes from this week. Um, I guess like the, the the worst beat of the day would have to be if you are a San Francisco better. Uh, they were eight and a half point favorites against the Detroit Lions and were up by 28 in the third quarter. Um, and the Lions came back in just roaring back, excuse the poor dad pun there, uh, with a couple touchdowns, a successful onside kick, then to bring it within uh, 16. And then they have an unsuccessful onside kick, but then the next play, uh, Debo Samuel fumbles, Lions recover, they get down the field, they score again, eight point game, uh, and just a brutal beat for those anyone who had bet uh, the 49ers minus eight and a half because your bet was looking so good at the beginning of the first half and then just fell apart into shambles and yeah cursing the Detroit Lions but that's one of the biggest probably that's one of the best moments of the season that Detroit's going to have because their team is still in a rebuilding mode as it's been for 50 years um yeah it was that was just a funny moment for me I had to I did note that down moving along here um Probably shocking for you, Max. I don't know if you saw this. The New Orleans Saints playing in Jacksonville uh, as the home team. Jameis Winston, the starting quarterback, they thumped the Green Bay Packers. And Aaron Rodgers looked washed up, to be frank. 38-3, to Winston was throwing it all over the field. Kamara doing his thing. He averages, he averages a touchdown a game, which is unheard of uh, in the NFL. And... Rodgers, couple of really poor interceptions, and the Saints were all over them. People thought the Packers actually have a bit of a home game because their fans travel well, and the Saints weren't playing at home, um, and they just got out, went out there and got destroyed. It was quite shocking, really, um, and it kind of changes the perspective that people may have on what Green Bay season looking like because they were back-to-back -back NFC championship contenders, uh, but a loss like this reframes what what their ceiling could be on the season. Yeah, you've got to 
think the past seven, eight months Rogers has had is not conducive to your best playing ability. Yeah. Last couple of notes here. Uh, we're not going to get to Sunday night football uh, as the pod takes place just a little bit before that, but a big win uh, for the Miami dolphins in Foxborough in new England. Uh, lots of hype on the Pats train this season. I even hyped them up on our last show, picking them to make the playoffs. Mac Jones looked really good. Uh, their defense is back in full force and Miami marched right into the lion's den and played stout defense and got a couple big plays from Jalen Waddle, uh, from Miles Gaskin, from Mike Gesicki, and, and Tua didn't show the full potential that people are still looking for from him, but he managed the game enough, and they made enough plays that they steal a big road win against the Patriots and really smushing the hopes of Pats fans who are ready to be back in business after a year off. Uh, also in Kansas City, the Browns, a big scare put on the Chiefs up 22-10 at halftime, and the Chiefs have just wrapped things up there with a 33-29 victory. If you were on the Browns, uh, minus five and a half, congrats to you. It was a great bet. Sharp bettors have been all over it this week. It started around a touchdown uh, favorite for the Chiefs and, and slowly moved down over the week as more and more people backed the Browns, but they weren't able to win outright. Uh, but still a good value play there as th this Browns team is full of a lot of talent. And I think they're going to have a really successful season. Last but not least, shout out my Broncos. Big win uh, against the Giants this afternoon on the road. That's important for our hopes to make it to the playoffs. And um, Jerry Judy, a guy who I was really excited for last year as our top uh, first round pick at wide receiver found out he had a high ankle sprain today during the game. So he's going to be out probably two months, which is a huge bummer. But I think this team has still has more than enough weapons that they can be plucky. And as we saw today, a big win in New York, and hopefully they can keep that ball rolling as well. Go Broncos go. Um, that's it for my week one recap. Uh, already knocked down my fantasy performer. I guess the two games now based on, what happened today that I'm excited for uh, next week, Tennessee versus Seattle, the Titans losing to the Cardinals. Chandler Jones had five sacks in today's game. Pretty remarkable performance from him. They need to get back on track because right now the Houston Texans are winning the AFC South, uh, which is what no one was expecting. Um, so they need a big win and they're going to have to go to Seattle and Russell Wilson already starting to stab pad his campaign, never received an MVP vote. Um, could this be the year that he changes that? So that'd be a big game. And then New Orleans Saints, after their statement win against Packers, playing against the Carolina Panthers, who also beat the New York Jets in Sam Darnold's revenge game. Uh, I think these two teams are going to match up well as, as well. So looking forward to those two next week. And that's going to do it for my football fan cave at this time. Awesome. That's most of the show, so I think we should just roll right forward and yeah. wrap up these last few notes. I wouldn't have, uh, this headline would not have stood out to me on first read. Mark Gasol getting traded or signed, yeah, tra traded to the Memphis Grizzlies, as it seems like half the players in the league on contracts teams don't want have been this past offseason, but in on second read, I realized in Gasol's case, this move has a lot more oh. significance. 
a homecoming. Uh, he loves Memphis. That is his second home besides Spain. And uh, yeah, I, I just had this noted down because of what he did for the city of Toronto, bringing us a championship, winning the FIBA World Cup for Spain in that same summer. Uh, he's an incredible player. He was a defensive player of the year in 2014, multiple time all-star, uh, a game that I think even if he was a rookie coming into the league now would be really, really successful with the way that he play makes really well. He sets solid screens. He box out, he plays fundamentally, even if he doesn't have the best foot speed on switches, he's a smart defender. And, and that was a really important piece of the Raptors championship run. So shout out to Marcus Gasol. I imagine I, I thought he may retire before the season started, but it seems like he's going to ride it out in Memphis um, until his contract's up. And then who knows, maybe he'll play a couple more years overseas, but uh, quite an incredible NBA career for him. So I wanted to give him the shout out. Yeah, dropping the average age on the Lakers maybe by a tiny bit. And yeah, an old school fundamental player who made all the right adjustments to prolong his career in as the NBA has shifted over time. Um, I don't want to say congrats on a great career when his career isn't mm-hmm. over. So we will just wrap up our basketball storylines there. We've got nothing for hockey this week, I believe. So we're going to move straight to baseball as the topsy-turvy Blue Jays season continues. Uh, flip a coin, good news, bad news. This is a good news week, eh? Uh, yeah, they have now won 13 of 15. The month of September is theirs. This is giving me major 2015-16 vibes. The Toronto Blue Jays four-game sweep of the New York Yankees earlier this week and absolutely mashing. And then they head to Baltimore. They lose a surprisingly fiery game where the pitcher of Baltimore basically clotheslines Lourdes Gurriel Jr. rounding third, heading for home out of nowhere. It was like a WWE skit. Um, but then the Jays, in from games two to four then on, score 44 runs in those three games, capped off by a 22-7 to victory today where they just punished the Orioles pitchers. And now they sit in the, not the second, but the first wildcard spot. Uh, currently, I know, half a, uh, they are half a game ahead of the Boston Red Sox and half a game ahead of the New York Yankees. Um, as of right now, the Yankees are set to play against the Mets in half an hour's time, but it's all tight in there. Oakland and Seattle, only a game back of the wildcard as well. Five teams there basically fighting for two spots. Um it's the right time to be hot, though. As the Boston Red Sox commentators were saying on their radio broadcast today, I caught a couple snippets, is the way the Jays are playing, you don't want to go against them right now in this wildcard game because their offense is putting up staggering numbers and they're getting really good pitching from their starting rotation. Again, I said it a month ago, the bullpen is the piece that needs to keep things afloat. And if they can do that, then this team definitely has the potential to do some damage heading into September and hopefully October. So keep the good times rolling blue Jays at the very least. Like I said, this team has been so much fun to watch this season. They just, they pull out miraculous comebacks. They had an 11 run inning on uh, last night and 
even in the doubleheader the game before that uh, pulled out a huge comeback when they were down six or seven. So it's been a couple of those the last few weeks and yeah, just really, really fun times. And I hope they make it to the playoffs so we can just watch some more October baseball. It's any type of playoff sports is awesome, but playoff baseball as well. It's it, every pitch means so much. Um, and it's easier for casual fans to, to engage and, and watch baseball when it's playoffs, when it's playoff time. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> so there you have it. Uh, great vibes right now heading into the new week. Um, and yeah, just looking forward to this late game between the bears and the Rams. Uh, I'm going to take the Rams in this one, but we get to see the, the NFL debut of Justin Fields and that's all there is to it. Really. It's great to see you again, Max. We're only doing once a week for a couple more. And then I think once things pick up, we'll be back to our two week schedule seeing on when we can schedule that we'll let people know what the plan is there going forward. Uh, but thanks for tuning in once again and listen to us talk sports. It, it was a great week. Yeah, for sure. Enjoyed it as always. Hopefully we'll have some hockey and combat corner this time next week. Until then, Sports Next Door signing out.